Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Hard Currency, the Financial Times podcast looking at the weekly events in the foreign exchange market. I'm Roger Blitz, and one event has dominated the markets, including FX, and that, of course, is the Italian political crisis, which led to a big dollar rally, a sell-off in emerging market FX, and worries about the long-term future of the euro. With me to discuss the implications of this classic political risk event on the markets is Adrian Hilton, Head of Global Rates and Currency at Columbia Threadneedle. Adrian, Tuesday morning when we woke up to massive movements in the Italian bond yields. What was that like? What was it like in, in, from your desk? Um, pretty scary, frankly. To come in and see uh, the front end of the Italian government bond curve 300 basis points higher than it had been uh, a couple of weeks previously was pretty unnerving. Panic stations. It was a little bit. I, I, I must say, I don't think the bank holiday helped. The fact no. that um, the news broke over the weekend, mm. the news of the, of the escalation of the crisis broke over the weekend. And so we'd already seen what um, those markets uh, in on Monday had done. And so London traders arriving on yes. Tuesday morning at their desks and then New York traders a bit late, later yes. on. Uh, you kind of knew what was coming. But why? Why was everybody worried? I mean, Italian political crises, they happen every other week, don't they? I mean, what's so different about this one? I think what had, what had changed, and, and let's not forget that markets were already pretty nervous about Italy mm. uh, the previous week. We'd had this uh, coalition agreement from the Lega and the Five Star uh, that had detailed some pretty um, pretty expensive fiscal promises uh, and, and, and presented a programme that seemed to set Italy on course for a confrontation with Brussels. So yes. we were already pretty nervous. I think what changed over the weekend was that there had been a, an injection of, of intrinsic friction in the Italian political system. And for the first over time... membership of the euro. Over membership of the euro. Yeah. For the first time, the president of the republic had said, look, if you guys want to leave the euro, then you have to say it. Um, the the uh, attempt to appoint uh, uh, this chap Savona as uh, the economy minister uh, was seen as a direct um, attempt to put a, a, a really pretty passionate euro sceptic into uh, arguably the most influential political so, position. So in, the worry the about the, as I was saying earlier, the worry about the long term future of the euro was was real, which was genuine. That that's I think it was. Uh, uh, this wasn't just a widening of BTP. Spreads that um, uh, um, Italian bonds. Yeah, that, that, sorry, that's the that's the spread of Italian bonds over yeah. the equivalent uh, German German bonds in the long end of the curve. This was the front end of the curve. This was the safest part of the Italian curve, the two-year yes. government bond. And when you see a move of that magnitude, it's really markets saying, we don't know whether these bonds are going to be repaid. Right. Okay. We don't know what a euro's worth. So that's Tuesday morning. Forty-eight hours later, here we are, Thursday. The market has decided. There was nothing to worry about. It's all fine. I mean, I'm struggling to believe that actually political risk is finished in Italy. It's all over and we can go back to worrying about data in the US and data in the eurozone. Why is the market suddenly, you know, reverse direction? Uh, it would be nice if we could. 
uh, and go back to worrying about uh, <laughs> about such mundane matters. But I think what's happened is that there has been a, uh, like I said, a sort of permanent injection of tension into mm. the situation. Mm. It doesn't look like either of these parties are willing to back down. The Lega are apparently intent on pushing for, for a new election. A cynic might say that they were um, deliberately sabotaging the government deal yes. in order to go to elections. Yes. Their poll ratings are improving all the time. They yeah. seem to be gaining from the, from so the five-star movement. I, are you saying that the reverse on Thursday is wrong, that actually the market should continue to to be selling off? I think there ought to be a political premium in Italian asset prices that that, that wasn't there previously. Yes. Uh, I think, in, in truth, uh, markets had perhaps become a little bit too complacent on European political risk. Ah, now, my next question. Go on. Go on. <laughs> As you know, markets love big themes. Um, we all talk about them at yes. the start of the year. This is going to be the theme of the year. And European political risk was very much last year's theme. Yeah. 2017 was the year we had to worry about yeah. French elections uh, and, and Dutch elections and so on. And it was only a year after Brexit, of course, uh, after the Brexit vote. Um, what shocked markets is that 2018, that... All that was supposed to be behind us. Yeah. Um, we started the year euphorically, didn't we? We were buying every equity going. And therefore, when we came actually to the Italian election in March, yeah, no one cared about the outcome, did they? Euro was fine. Was Indeed. Good. Even though this was the biggest vote for populist parties in the recent history of, uh, of Europe. So I think that, that in part has caught markets off guard. And I think it is natural that we can't revert to those sort of halcyon days of, uh, of, of super tight um, peripheral European spreads. Uh, it's, it calls into question um, yeah, what, what, what really what is a euro uh, if uh, if the third largest economy can be potentially months yes. away from uh, from leaving leaving the block? Look, it's not my base case that that happens, yeah. uh, and so uh, I think some of the um, uh, some of the extreme uh, market moves we saw at the start of this week uh, probably were just that rather rather too extreme. But I don't think we can discount it completely. Okay. Uh, so some, just some quick questions, uh, uh, just a brief answer if I can. But um, d- does you know, volatility uh, it's something we now really should should start getting used to for the rest of the year? I think that I, I, I think we have to. Um, you know, we, we, we've been uh, lucky or unlucky, depending on a point of view, that we've had a, 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 a long run of very low volatility where where, where carry has been the, the, uh, an important okay. driver of returns. And, and leading on to that, that makes, say, trying to judge the direction of, of the euro against the dollar very hard. It might tra- range trade for a while and even right to the end of the year. It's, it seems to be so many, so many conflicting factors Possibly. i think i think um you know one thing to note is that this uh the, the italian um effect as if you like uh kind of juiced a dynamic that was already underway right. in 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 terms of the euro so right. um the euro had weakened through the first part of this year because that that that, that what was supposed to be 2018's narrative, which was a global synchronised recovery, um, where 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 all, where all all growth in the world kind of converges, mm-hmm. and that the US is uh, is sort of un- unexceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, led the euro uh, uh, that thesis was challenged pretty starkly by uh, decline in business sentiment uh, over the first quarter of the year and so the euro was already in decline um, I think long positions in euro short positions in dollar uh, had, had grown to massive proportions at the yes. start of the year and, and that was being unwound as well so all of these things have pointed in the okay. same direction okay let's extrapolate this week for for in, in broader terms what does this mean about risk is the market 
um, now facing the rest of the year leaning more instinctively towards being risk averse or is there still plenty of appetite to get back into that old loving risk that we had at the start of the year do you remember we loved emerging markets at the start of the year now look at them yeah i think i i, I think while some of the moves have been have been extreme uh, locally um, you know, credit's been pretty well behaved. Equities haven't been badly behaved. Yeah. I think we're a long way from saying that we're in a uh, the markets are in a risk-off environment. Now, whether they should be or not is a different question. And uh, as we go through this year, as the Fed continues to tighten um, financial conditions elsewhere, begin to tighten at the margin, we seem to be in the middle of a, of a, a marginal slowdown out of China. Energy prices are obviously much higher than they yes. were a year ago. All of these things do uh, in- increase the risk of an accident. Uh, and so I think it would be unwise for markets to be too complacent about those risks. Fair enough. Adrian, just to conclude, I mean, I sometimes feel that the, the markets always forgot that 2018 was going to be a tricky year. The whole issue was that we we're going to take our foot off the monetary easing pedal, that we were going to start getting used to this new um, regime regime in terms of monetary policy. And it was going to be tricky. That that, that Those factors still remain. I mean, you know, Global fundamentals, they, they are still pretty sound. But ultimately, this is still a very tricky journey, isn't it? Uh, I, I think it is. Um, I think some of those uh, growth expectations, um, particularly in the US, where a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, hope has been built into uh, the effects of US tax reform, um, are, are yet to be proven. Um, it's not clear that consumption is picking up um, uh, quite as it was supposed to. Uh, CapEx will have to probably wait and see, but the signals so far uh, are fairly mixed. And this, is, and, and this is in the context of a Fed that is tightening uh, on, a, on a quarterly basis. So I, I agree with you. I don't think the world looks too gloomy at, at, at present, but the risk of accidents is, um, is larger than, than we assumed it was at the start of the year. My thanks to Adrian Hilton of Columbia Threadneedle. Uh, next week, we will look ahead at the ECB's crucial June meeting. Will they take their cue from the markets and stay dovish, or is the start of the great quantitative easing retreat upon us? Join us next week. Until then, from Hard Currency, it's goodbye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.